then we have to really escalate the noise we make so that we'll be heard. Welcome to Gay USA. I'm Andy Hum. I'm Ann Northrup. And uh, in the news this week, I did not print out my headlines. I'm going to read them off here. Uh, Utah has become the first state to ban gender-affirming medical care in 2023, but there are now 235 anti-LGBTQ bills and the hoppers in state legislatures across the country. We'll tell you how to stop them. Uh, or you can sit at home with your scorecard. Uh, In good news, uh, Colorado Appeals Court has told that awful baker, Jack Phillips, that he cannot use religion as an excuse not to bake a pink and blue cake for a trans customer. Uh, The pioneering gay therapist and activist, Dr. Charles Silverstein, has died. And Florida teachers are being forced to (laughs) wrap bookshelves in paper so they don't have to go to prison. It's insane. And Ohio is investigating a full-blown Nazi homeschooling network. Yeah, we are not being, uh, you know, fanciful with that. That is a literal description of the homeschooling network. Uh, On the heels of their modest advances on gay issues, the Pope and the Archbishop of Canterbury are now in Africa, headed for South Sudan, where the archbishop there has condemned them for their new thinking. The New York Rangers hockey team insults uh, gays during their LGBTQ Pride Night. Sort of depressing. The uh, Food and Drug Administration is making more concessions on who can donate blood, but we're not home yet. And the six-year-old twins of gay actor Cheyenne Jackson came out over dinner. That's a tease. You have to stay tuned to see. You actually get to hear from Cheyenne Jackson about what happened. Well, you know, as we're taping, the the funeral of Tyree Nichols is being held in Memphis. And what a way to start uh, uh, Black History Month. Uh, Murdered by police in Memphis back on January the 7th, 29 years old. You know, he was an aspiring photographer. This is one of his pictures from his website, the kind of work that he did. Um, And, you know, police killings of civilians have actually increased after George Floyd. Um, The difference here is that the firings and indictments were relatively swift, and the unit from which uh, his killers came from has been disbanded. And, you you know, they talk about, you know, he ran from the police. He ran for his life because he knew what they were going to do to him. And they were already doing to him when, as soon as they pulled him out of the car. And, of course, when they caught up with him, they took retribution for running and they murdered him. And one has to wonder, of course, whether the cops are receiving such swift punishment because they're all black. If they were white cops, would they have been fired immediately? Would they be under indictment uh, Who knows, but it seems one could make the case for a discrepancy there. I am impressed by Tyree's mother, 
who is so loving and uh, and so impressive in uh, in her speaking and standing up for her son, who clearly was just a great guy who was minding his own business and driving down the street, as the news media remind us. We still have no idea why the cops actually stopped him in the first place. Uh, All right, let's move on to our national news. Uh, Starting with the former president, um, he has received a war on transgender people. He's now vowing to make being transgender illegal under federal law. And he's going to go after teachers who support trans children. He called gender-affirming care, child sexual mutilation, and left-wing gender insanity, and said only the only genders that are going to be allowed in the United States by our government, if I'm back, are male and female assigned at birth. I guess he feels the need to outdo DeSantis. Well, I think he has uh, uh, learned from DeSantis and others that this is the party line these days. And this is uh, he has decided this is his best chance of winning the nomination is to take this approach uh, politically. I I don't think it's a winning approach, but at the moment it's uh, raising a lot of hackles. Uh, It's a misunderstood issue. It doesn't poll particularly well, as we've learned this week, but um, it, it requires a lot of education and they prey on people's ignorance. And nonetheless, the state of Utah has now banned gender-affirming care for, for minors, I believe, right? Yes. Uh, yes, they have. Yeah. Uh, the governor has signed the bill. Spencer uh, Cox, this is a guy who vetoed an anti-trans bill uh, last last year and said it was you know too much, but they overrode his veto. Um, but uh, he signed it this time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because probably because he was overridden last time. And like Trump, he is reading the tea leaves of where the Republican Party is headed at the moment. And of course, it's confusing for us because uh, another Spencer Cox was a great AIDS activist Uh years ago, the late Spencer Cox. So whenever I hear the name of the governor of Utah, it's a little jarring. 18 18 states are considering similar bills. Uh, You know, Cox said more research is needed on the long-term consequences of treatment, but we know the consequences of not treating the young people, including suicidality. How about that? We also, and there's a new study I'm about to mention in a moment, but I just want to point out that the these bills do the same thing that they've been doing for years. They the headline is you know no surgery for uh, people under 18. Well, no one's doing surgery for people under 18, but then they slip in no hormone therapy, no puberty blockers, no uh, you know no social transition, no nothing. And that is where the real uh, work is being done. And that is work that is reversible, isn't harmful, uh, but they hide it under the scare headlines of surgery. So there's a new study published in the New England Journal of Medicine of 315 trans and non-binary youth aged 12 to 20. And what they found is that hormone therapy drastically improves the mental health of these young people, especially trans males, uh, uh, female to male trans uh, people are vastly improved in their mental health by hormone therapy. Uh, In in part because uh, trans females still get attacked a lot uh, 
uh, as you know, standing out and inappropriate, but uh, trans males transition more easily and their mental health uh, really is helped by hormone therapy. Nevertheless, there are at last count about 235 anti-LGBTQ bills in state legislatures. Now, the ACLU has an interactive map on its website, aclu.org, and we'll provide the direct link in our email. If you go to gayusatv.org and sign up for that, you'll get these things. Um, but uh, they're not all coming from red states. Um, they're all over the place. And you can do so. You know, if people really do act up and fight back against these things, they can sometimes mitigate the worst effects of them. Well, as we have seen, and in fact, in uh, Virginia this week, a uh, House committee rejected an anti-trans bill uh, that uh, would have required a court order for a student to change their name in uh, their school records. Uh, and the, the Virginia House said, no, that's uh, too much. We're not going to approve that. And they rejected it. You can win these battles if you can have a sensible enough conversation and enough people standing up. And uh, for the time being, the Senate is not calendaring the nomination of Governor Youngkin of Burt Ellis, a classmate of mine at University of Virginia, who was anti-gay, racist, all these things. They're not putting it on the calendar. It doesn't mean it's stopped completely, but it should have gone through by now, and they're holding it up. Uh, and that's, that is, there is some hope there. Although I was horrified to see Larry Sabato at UVA stand up for him. What, on a free speech kind of thing? or Oh, you know, it's the kind of perspective. You know, we need this perspective as well. I don't agree with him on everything. Blah, 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 blah. You know. <laughs> We're back to there has to be a place for mediocre judges on the Supreme Court. <laughs> Under Nixon. <laughs> yeah, the rest of you are too young to remember that. Uh, but uh, let's, let's do another victory uh, for trans people, uh, tangentially, if not directly, maybe directly, uh, in Colorado. You know the history of the Masterpiece Cake Shop where uh, Jack Phillips, the baker, the owner, refused to bake a wedding cake for a same-sex couple. Uh, they took him to court, and his case was eventually, uh, he was allowed to not lose because the Supreme Court found that the Colorado uh, Human Rights Commission had said snarky things about uh, <laughs> that. That was it. That was the extent of it about his religious uh, excuse for not making the cake. And the Supreme Court said, well, it can't possibly be an unbiased decision then. So we're not going to deal with this and, uh, and we're not going to make him make the cake. And it's since been described as a big win for the uh, cake shop, which it was not. It was just a technicality. So a trans uh, woman went into the cake shop. She wanted to clear all this up and, and challenge him on slightly different grounds. So she went in and she asked him to bake a pink and blue cake. And in the course of the conversation said something about it celebrating her transition. At which point, and he had said fine to the pink and blue cake. And then he, when he realizes what he's doing, he says, oh, no, 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 I can't uh, uh, bake a cake for a trans person. Bingo, uh, lawsuit. And the Colorado Court of Appeals has now ruled that that is illegal discrimination on the basis of gender identity. It's they not said that making the cake is not inherently expressive and that any message or symbolism it provides to an observer would not be attributed to the baker. 
I, I suspect this is not the last we'll hear of this, that he will attempt to take this up to the Supreme Court for a real decision on his religious freedom to bake or not bake any cake he wants. But it was a very solid decision from the Colorado Court of Appeals. One of my favorite stories that comes from Nebraska in response to a bill banning drag shows for under 19s. Uh, a Democratic senator, Megan Hunt, introduced an amendment to that, um, imposing a $10,000 fine for any organization that hosts a religious indoctrination camp for anyone under 19, citing the well-documented history of indoctrination and sexual abuse perpetrated by religious leaders on children. Now, she said she knows it's not going to get to the floor. She'd vote against it herself, she said, if it did. Uh, but it makes a point that where's the indoctrination going on? Look what they put me through in Catholic school. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I wanted to nominate her for our Hero of the Week. Uh, uh, and I really applaud her for having the guts to stand up and uh, propose that amendment, which you're right, right for. Uh, the right wing is trying to stop uh, uh, Joe Biden's uh, nominee for the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, Gigi Sohn. That's her on the left there with her wife, Laura, because she's on the board of a widely respected Electronic Frontier Foundation, uh, which is opposed SESTA and FOSTA and um, which is and the Trump bill against online sex work. Now, Sohn is a distinguished fellow at Georgetown Law Institute for Technology Law and is a former counselor to the FCC chair. And if confirmed, she would be the first out LGBTQ commissioner. So hold strong, Democrats. Well, the cable companies are against her because she's in favor of net neutrality, which would force them to charge the same rates to everyone applying for uh, use of their uh, technology instead of having tiers of uh, some people being charged more than others and having their access slowed down along the way. The uh, the more liberal nonprofit organizations would be the ones hurt by that. Uh, and she also wants, you know, greater broadband access uh, to uh, poor or rural areas around the country. And they don't like that either because it costs them more to expand broadband access beyond right. heavily populated areas. So that's the real agenda here. And, uh, and they're fighting tooth and nail not to have her confirmed. A couple of George Santos updates. It's uh, 78% of his constituents now want him to step down. A bunch of ex-boyfriends have come come forward and said how awful he was. Uh, obviously, McCarthy said, you're, you know, you're going to step down from your committees until, uh, you know, this is resolved. And he's in terrible financial uh, straits, trouble uh, with all the lies that he's told on his financial forms. So that's where it is. And I, you know, I think he's very close to getting indicted. Uh, I sir, Yes, I think he's uh, almost out the door. But there's a hidden agenda on the committee recusals, too, which actually was admitted by Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, which is that this is about uh, getting the Republicans out of the way of being accused of hypocrisy hypocrisy for trying to get Ilhan Omar off the Foreign Affairs Committee. Their new strategy is, okay, if we have Santos step down from his committees, then we can go after Ilhan Omar uh, to get her off her committee and not look like hypocrites. And they have to do that because there are Republicans in the House of Representatives who are standing up for Ilhan Omar, and the Democrats are standing firm for her. And this is a great, great 
turnaround from the way she was treated when she first came to Congress and uh, a great triumph for her. So I hope that they continue to back her and uh, keep her from being taken off that committee. Okay. Um, and uh, in Pennsylvania, the uh, the central Bucks school board, Bucks County, dominated by right-wing Christians, they're looking to ban four LGBTQ-themed books from its libraries after objections from a right-wing Christian law firm connected to the Family Research Council. Um, the li- uh, but the, uh, then the librarian at the Central Bucks uh, uh, South High School has ordered, had ordered the removal of posters with a quote from the late Holocaust survivor Elie Wiesel, winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. The quote, I swore never to be silent whenever and wherever human beings endure suffering and humiliation, we must always take sides. Uh, neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Uh, silence encourages the torment. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. What a quote. They, they took this as advocacy. You've got to take it down. And there was such an outcry that it all went back up. We have another picture. And it was the place was plastered with it. The district is under federal investigation for creating a hostile learning environment for LGBTQ students. We really are getting closer and closer to 1984. Yeah. Where the government just wants to control everything all the time. We've lost the whole concept of of the people, by the people, for the people. I don't know about the people in Ohio because, you know, the, the state... The State Department of Education is investigating an openly anti-Semitic, racist, Nazi homeschooling group with thousands of members being run by a couple of in Upper Sandusky. They advocate white supremacy. They make the kids become wonderful Nazis, uh, assignments and Nazi ideology, praise for Hitler. They bake him a birthday cake. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Even Jim Jordan is critical of them. I know. It makes DeSantis look like a hero. But they're saying these are our beliefs and our beliefs are protected. And they, well, they are being investigated, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can get them for anything. Uh, DeSantis, meanwhile, the governor of Florida, is uh, barring, as you've heard, I'm sure, uh, black studies, LGBT studies, the college board's uh, advanced placement curriculum around these issues. Uh, So the college board announced this week that they are diluting their uh, advanced placement black history curriculum. They're taking out all the authors that uh, DeSantis doesn't like. They're putting them on an optional list. Uh, the, I don't know if that's going to be good enough for DeSantis. Uh, <laughs> probably not. Uh, the, is- the capitulation, the capitulation by the college board. Uh, this gives you an idea of how strong this movement is to erase us and erase everyone who isn't white and straight. And in Florida, students arrived in some classrooms this month to find their teachers' bookshelves wrapped in paper or completely barren of books, because uh, that's what the schools in Manatee and Duval counties were directed to do. Uh, The State Department of Education ruled that the law restricting books applied to teachers' collections as well as school libraries, and the restrictive procedure has left schools unable to order review books for over a year. Uh, Keep in mind, the goal is ending public education. Um, A teacher who breaks the law could face five years in prison and a $5,000 fine for displaying a banned book. 
It's astonishing that this is going on and gathering steam so fast and uh, is is such a blanket uh, policy across the state without everybody up in arms. And so idiotic in the face of the Internet, where you know so much material is available these days. Yeah, but it's the it, it, it's DeSantis uh, picking a lane and using this as his, uh, and now he's in this arms race with Trump about who can be the most vicious and the most hateful uh, and the most discriminatory. He threw yet another right wing activist onto the board of the New College of Florida. This guy who has been you know, working to apply the riches of the Judeo Christian tradition to contemporary questions of law and politics. Best, his name is Ryan Anderson, best known for his opposition to same-sex marriage and anti-transgender writing. Uh, uh, he describes trans people as mentally ill. Uh, he's been a, a right-wing radical for many years. We've yeah, he's on the board now of this co- of this formerly I know. very liberal college. And he's not the only one. I think Christopher Rufo is on the board there and others. They're just trying to turn this college into a... I hope the students uh, will tell. Yeah, training ground. I hope the students will tell. And the offshoot of something like this is what we hear from Orlando, where a couple of gay bars were attacked, had their windows smashed. Uh, they've got some uh, overnight uh, surveillance cameras on it, but the guy who did it is all in, you know, hoodie, sweatshirt and everything. You can't. Re- he, he threw a Molotov cocktail uh, at these uh, windows. What does Governor DeSantis have to say about it? Nothing. Governor, Governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, however, in her state of the state, called out Ohio and Indiana for restricting LGBTQ and reproductive rights, saying, hey, bigotry is bad for business. Come to Michigan, uh, you know, where we're, we're going to liberalize these laws and we will fight for your freedom. Well, and, and then it trickles down to uh, uh, Pride Nights at NHL hockey games. Okay. Uh, first, last week, we had a, a member of the Philadelphia Flyers who refused to participate in the Pride Night uh, warm up in a in a rainbow shirt. And that was just one guy. And we sort of thought, oh, OK, that's no big deal. Well, this week, it's the entire New York Rangers team refusing to participate. Well, they said they didn't talk about it. So it must have it must have been directed from elsewhere. The player said we, we didn't know anything about it, you know. OK, uh, well, so it's probably uh, Dolan, the uh, Madison Square Garden uh, owner who's using facial recognition cameras to keep his enemies out of Madison Square Garden. Well, New York City Pride was there dropping the puck and everything, and they did yep. do some, but he's, you know, Andre, our friend Andre from there, uh, Thomas, uh, you know, said that this was a slight. We were not informed. It was major disappointment. You know, we were told what was going to happen, and it didn't happen. And a more minor league hockey player for the uh, Peoria, Peoria team has been fired because he tweeted out such hateful messages uh, about these incidents at Pride Nights, and he's off the team now. And uh, we want you to uh, pay attention to the election for Supreme Court in Wisconsin, which will decide the balance of the court, uh, uh, and millions of money are going to be spent. It's on April 4th. One of the leading Republican candidates, Jennifer Doro, called the Lawrence v. Texas decision overturning the sodomy laws of this country, judicial activism at its worst in an application for something. Um, So, uh, you know, 
the legislature there is totally in Republican hands. There's Democratic governor, Tony Evers. The court is going to be the biggest safeguard against the excesses of the legislature. All right. Uh, let's remember a couple of people who died uh, in the last week. Tell us about Charles Silverstein. Well, Charles Silverstein was a true pioneer, uh, a leading gay therapist and author who played a key role in getting the American Psychiatric Association to remove homosexuality from its index of mental disorders in 1973. He's died at the age of 87. Now, he was a he was a very important figure. He founded two counseling centers for LGBTQ people in the early 1970s the Institute for Human Identity and Identity House, uh, founding editor of the J Journal of Homosexuality, with Edmund White, uh, the co-author of The Joy of Gay Sex in 1977, uh, and, and on an update with that with uh, Felice uh, Picano, um, longtime member of the American Psychological Association, received their gold medal, 40 years of challenging the criteria of social morality as the basis for diagnosing sexual disorders. So the picture we showed you was from when he was in the documentary Cured on PBS about the campaign to get us off the index of medicine. No, not that picture, Rich. Not that big. Lose that. Not no, lose that. Lose that. Where are you back to Charles? Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Anyway, uh, a towering figure uh, in our movement. And a long, rich, important life. I'm always happy when someone uh, accomplishes so much in so many years and has a chance to live out that full arc. But uh, the picture we just uh, were about to go to there, Joe McGuire, uh, died at 72. Of pancreatic cancer, survived by his beloved partner and husband, uh, uh, Mark Pomerenke, uh, we have a picture of them when they're around the town from their early days. Uh, they were same-sex marriage pioneers uh, getting married in San Francisco when Mayor Gavin Newsom opened it up without waiting for legislation back in 2004. They met in 1972 in Minnesota. They called themselves inadvertent activists, but they were always in there every step of the way with the movement. And uh, I have a video of them uh, just done last year about their 50 years together that I'll link to in our email. I think we're all inadvertent activists. We didn't uh, come out of the womb uh, planning on this, but we were hit smack in the face by, uh, you know, uh, issues and opportunity, and there we are. Uh, but okay. thank you, Joe. Did all right, international news, yes. Well, the Pope, Francis, and uh, Archbishop of Canterbury riding high on their partial support of gay people are now in Africa. Yeah, and they're making a joint visit to South Sudan on Friday, uh, along with the head of the Church of Scotland. But the head of the Anglican Church in the South Sudan, Archbishop Justin Badiarama, uh, said this week, allowing blessings of gay unions, as they're going to do in the Church of England, Welby was uh, failing to defend biblical truth and his, and his role as the global leader of the African communion. And you know, rewriting God's law. So he's going to be up against it, even though he says he's not going to do these blessings himself. And then there's more clarification on, on what the Pope said. You know, the Pope said we should decriminalize homosexuality and the bishops should get involved with that. By the way, in, the, in this past week, I haven't heard of any bishops coming out for that. No, not a one. But, uh, you know, and then we, 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 he caught, we, when we reported this last week, we said, he said it was, but, you know, look, it's a sin. But what he actually said, when I said it is a sin, I'm simply referring to Catholic moral teaching, 
which says that every sexual act outside of marriage is a sin. He's kind of digging himself deeper. Uh, you know, it says you have to consider circumstances and blah, 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 blah. So he's clearly moving a little bit off of this, if you care about these things, uh, from the uh, certainly the Benedict line. But, you know, Benedict, we, the two of them are going at it, especially even in, in death. Um, uh, Benedict had a book just published posthumously where he attacked the distortion of the sexes by gender ideology, something Francis has said, too. And the collapse of seminaries where homosexual clubs operate more or less openly. So, you know, Francis said, I know the knives are out for me. I just ask you to say it to my face. <laughs> well, our friend Mike Signorelli, who was here a few weeks ago, uh, gave Francis a little more credit than I guess we did uh, for Francis saying we really have to work to decriminalize homosexuality uh, around the world. And I, I thought that was a good point. So uh, I'll give him a little more credit for that. Uh, but as you say, no one's jumped on the bandwagon yet. In Egypt, police are using dating apps and social media to hunt LGBTQ people and trapping gay men. This is a country where uh, sodomy is not illegal, but they, they charge you with debauchery when you say you'd like to go home. Well, good news from the Czech Republic, which has just elected a new president and, unlike some countries, has elected a liberal who is pro-same-sex uh, marriage. Uh, and he is the new president of the Czech Republic. Peter Pavel. It's, it's not a very powerful presidential post, but he can push government policies. And in Australia, one in three people between the ages of 15 and 24 identify as LGBTQIA, up 15 percent from 2020. Yeah, I'm not sure if I quite buy the uh, that statistic. I want a little more about the methodology of the uh, study, but uh, we're uh, whatever. Uh, and in Germany, as they uh, observed Holocaust Remembrance Day, they chose in the Bundestag, the uh, lower house of parliament, to focus on LGBTQ plus victims of the Holocaust this year. Uh, and that's the first time they've done that and uh, very meaningful and important recognition. Actor and activist Alan Cumming is returning his OBE to the crown, I guess, the Order of the British Empire, which he got there from Princess Anne, uh, protesting the toxicity of empire. It was awarded in 2009 for his services to acting and to gay activism in the United States. But he says his eyes were opened uh, to how the empire profited at the expense of death of indigenous peoples across the world. Well, that bit of history has been well known for some time. Yeah, and David Bowie refused uh, an honor like this decades ago, and uh, uh, John Lennon returned his decades it's ago. It's uh, uh, so uh, it's not that this was a revolutionary act, but we appreciate him doing it better late than never. Yes. Good for that. But the ones we really want to celebrate are the very hungry nomads uh, a lesbian couple, one from Australia, one from Slovakia, Rachel and Martina, who have now visited 195 all the official countries of the world. Uh, oh. Let's I think we have time to show the little video of them uh, traveling around. 
It has been 1,685 days since we left on a journey to visit every country in the world. Why? We wanted to add more women to the very small list of people who have done it, to inspire others and show that the world is a much better place than we believe. This is our journey. We started with a bang in North Korea and indulged in way too many Swedes in Iraq and even visited Afghanistan before the Taliban takeover. We saw the famous tannery in Morocco, admired the beautiful doors of Tunisia and explored the colourful Burkina Faso in Africa. We watched the sunset among the baobab trees in Madagascar and learned more about Thailand and its culture. And Libya and its ancient sites blew us away. We explored Haiti's unknown treasures and wandered the souks in Damascus, Syria. We danced to the tunes in Eswatini and saw the famous Tiger's Nest Monastery in Bhutan. We tracked down the white West African giraffes in Niger and entered Saudi Arabia before they even had a tourist visa. We found the clearest waters in the Caribbean ate so much great food in Ethiopia. We saw the amazing gorillas in Uganda and the dragon blood trees in Yemen. We swam with a thousand stingless jellyfish in Palau and admired the fascinating pyramids in Sudan. We made it to some remote islands in the Pacific. We got lost in the chaos of Bangladesh's capital, Dakar. Even celebrated Christmas in Prague. Wow. From rock-hewn churches in Ethiopia, impressive mosques in Syria, to the ancient temples of Nepal. We filled our passports with many stamps and visas as our travels to 195 countries continued. To succeed, we knew we had to pack light, do lots of planning, and power through with coffee. We had to get many visas en route, and others took weeks, even months, and years to get. Sometimes we hitchhiked, but mostly we walked. And I mean, we walked a lot. We took a few planes, Many shared buses, even hired this truck once. We crossed the river on boats. We spent hours on bus rides, took trains when we could, small boats to islands, and overnight trains too. We took some tiny planes with turbulence, shared taxis with locals, as well as pickup trucks. Sometimes a motorcycle was the only transport. Other times we shared the front seat in the car. Of course we rode a tuk-tuk or a tiny rickshaw. But truly, this was the only upgrade, front seat in a Cessna aircraft. But all this was really part of one epic journey to travel to the world on a budget. We had to negotiate, other times we waited for hours to leave, and sometimes we just didn't get there at all. But we knew we had to stay positive to keep going, and when things got tough, we just danced and we shook it off. Oh, and about all that food we ate along the way? Well, that's a whole other story to tell. So for now, it's time to get on that plane and reach our final country left to complete our journey to visit every country in the world. Amazing. Uh, and they, tra- they, they are a lesbian couple. Uh, they did not always reveal themselves to be such uh, in countries that, you know, criminalize it. Uh, but they managed to get to every single country in the world. Wow. <laughs> And and not in uh, big private jets. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on. AIDS news. Yeah. Well, the big news is that the FDA is moving to allow select monogamous gay men to donate blood. Still barring any who have had multiple partners in the last three months or anal sex in the last three months. HIV negative people who have had multiple partners and engage only in vaginal sex will be eligible to donate blood. People living with HIV still barred. Uh, FDA says they're removing, they say they're removing gender-specific barriers. And But people on PrEP or PEP uh, um, uh, orally uh, are, are barred for three months. If you take a PrEP injection, you're barred for two years. 
They say that it may delay uh, detection of HIV in blood screenings. So, you know, our local public official, Brad Hawnett Sigel, said it still stigmatizes gay men. Uh, there's a 30 or 60 day, I think, comment period on this. 60 thing. day, 60 day comment period. It, uh, you know, it, they're just manipulating it. Uh, they're still putting in, uh, you know, uh, uh, ways that they can disqualify uh, gay men. So uh, is it a little better? Is it tweaked? Yeah, I guess so. But it's still it's not a pure system. And when you're making distinctions between anal and vaginal sex, uh, you're really you're trying to make it easier for yourself because they're not willing to just test everybody or they test all the blood that's donated. Right. Uh, but uh, they want to still find ways to cut down the number of people that they disqualify, and they want those to be mostly gay men. Because they need blood. They're running short. Now, there is something on the horizon, some new technology of something that's going to neutralize HIV in blood parts, plasma, and platelets, uh, and that may further make it easier, but... Uh, uh, it's, it's inch by inch. By the way, they've declared an end to the monkeypox emergency, but black, indigenous, people of color are still at higher risk for it. Uh, they have found out that the vaccine is safe and effective, so please, uh, if you haven't gotten it, it might be a good idea still to get it. If you, if you qualify based on your behavior. Yes, exactly. All right, entertainment news. Well, you know, the HBO series The Last of Us, which takes place 20 years after modern civilization has been destroyed, is now drawing almost as many viewers as The Sopranos and more than Sex in the City. And episode three, which is this picture is from, uh, featured two men who find each other. That's out Murray Bartlett uh, on the right there uh, from the first season of White Lotus and earlier from the gay series Looking and the reboot of Tales of the City, and Nick Offerman of Parks and Recreation fame, uh, not gay, but married to Megan Mullally. Um, so I don't want to give too much away about this episode, but uh, I and others uh, who I know watched it were profoundly moved. Uh, I watched it. It's available on demand. You don't have to, uh, if you have HBO, uh, you can watch it anytime. Uh, I, I it was interesting. I liked it. Profoundly moved. I would say I was not, but uh, I think I prefer The Leftovers on HBO a few years ago. Same kind of idea. Uh, but yeah, it was lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, the NBC, NBC series Quantum Leap features a trans theme on Monday, February 6th, Let Them Play, about a family in 2012 seeking to help their trans daughter play on her high school basketball team. Uh, not sure how it's going to be handled, but uh, thanks to Shep Wan and our viewer uh, for the tip. And happy oh, birthday. I didn't get that note from Shep. Uh, the Grammys are this Sunday. Uh, a lot of LGBTQ representation, performances from Sam Smith and Kim Petras, presumably their unholy hit. Brandy Carlisle will perform. Steve Lacey, out bisexual, will perform his big hit. And then there are people who are sort of fluid or questioning Lizzo, Bad Bunny, Harry Styles. Right. It's going to be a pretty queer Grammy. It's going to be on CBS. Yeah. Uh, Stormy Daniels is back in the news as the Manhattan DA looks to bring criminal charges against Donald Trump for his payoff to her during the 2016 campaign. But she's also the host of a new gay reality show, For the Love of Dilfs. Uh, which stands for Daddies I'd Like to F, 
uh, can't say it on this show, uh, pairing younger gay guys seeking older partners and vice versa. Uh, Daniels describes herself as a queer woman. And uh, the show was created, she said, to uplift the LGBTQ community. It's on Out TV, Apple TV channel and the Out TV Roku channel in the U.S. Episodes drop weekly. You can sign up for uh, Out TV online for three ninety nine a month if you are compelled to watch this show that I do not want to watch. Okay. Uh, but I am watching uh, the return of the I Am Jazz series. They uh, they snuck that on without a lot of publicity. Nonetheless, I ran into it. It's now season eight. Uh, uh, jazz is attending Harvard, but she's uh, having some of her usual ups and downs uh, uh, mentally or psychologically. But I continue to find this a compelling family uh, dynamic to watch. They're all very supportive and interesting. Uh, I am jazz on TLC. Now, I finally watched Everything Everywhere All at Once, the movie that's up for multiple awards, a very busy sci-fi family drama that requires multiple viewings. I have I had a house guest here who watched it about three or four times while he was here. Uh, and he loved it. Uh, it. But it really culminates in a very moving scene at the end concerning Stephanie Hsu as the lesbian daughter uh, there on the right. Uh, so, it, you know, when, when it slows down enough to really deal with people instead of all this crazy sci-fi stuff, it gets a little better. And it's sort of a large martial arts component. I found it admirable but not moving until that last scene. So I don't know whether to tell people to give it a try or not. I sort of found myself trying to get through it and uh, tolerating it for a lot of it. But uh, it is it is intellectually interesting. But uh, And I really, really want Michelle Yeoh to win Best Actress. Okay. Really, because I do not want Kate Blanchett. Okay, we know your feelings. Yes. Well, Michelle Yeoh is my uh, choice. You know, you remember from Crouching Tiger, Hidden sure. Dragon, and a million other things. She's fantastic, and okay. she's fantastic in this. So, and Sam Smith is fantastic. Uh, they reflected in People magazine about their journey since coming out as non-binary in 2019 says that now in their personal life, there is not one negative. Love life is better. I feel lovable, uh, uh, Sam said. Says that this is who they've been, but uh, does not get, uh, always been rather, um, uh, but does get hate elements from the public sometimes, including getting spit on in the street, they said. Uh, says it can be exhausting, especially in England. Smith's fourth studio album, Gloria, was just released. I Can Sing Freely Again, Sing Freely Again, Smith said, and we're going to link to uh, uh, their new hit. Well, and you can see them on the Grammys Sunday night. Uh, yeah, the distinction was my family's great, the public, when I'm out in public, not always so much. Uh, but interesting to hear from. Uh, but trying to work on some of that is Taylor Swift, the queen of all uh, entertainment. She did a, uh, a you know music video for her new uh, song Lavender Haze, and cast as her love interest in the uh, video a trans model, uh, trans man Laith Ashley, 
uh, as her romantic partner. She also she wrote, it, she wrote it and directed it. And she said yeah. it was a magical experience. And that represent. Oh, Ashley said. Oh, Ashley said it was a magical experience and that representation matters. Absolutely. And Taylor Swift uh, is very uh, uh, forward thinking and acting in her work. And given how huge, huge her audience is, you know, a hearing before Congress and uh, all the members of Congress are quoting her lyrics to the uh, uh, the witnesses. It's uh, Taylor Swift is is a big deal. Uh, star of stage, screen, and uh, screens large and small, out actor Cheyenne Jackson um, ha- had a, an experience with his six-year-old twins this week, and we're going to let him tell the story. Hi, everybody. I wanted to share something recently that happened. Big night in our family, big night for any parent. Um, our kids came out as straight. We were eating dinner. And um, out of the blue, Willow says, I don't think I'm gay. And me and Jason were like, uh, okay, great. I mean, we, we love you no matter what. And then Ethan, without missing a beat and without looking up from his food, goes, yeah, I'm not gay either, but I want to go to the parade. <laughs> Cute. Glad he still wants to go to the parade. And the Jonas Brothers have all come out uh, with a surprise announcement that they'll have a new album in May. <laughs> well, I uh, this Cheyenne Jackson thing reminds me of our uh, guest, Cynthia Wade, from years ago, who made the, uh, uh, the documentary that won a lot of awards. We had her on repeatedly as she worked her way up to winning the Oscar for uh, Best uh, Short Documentary, I think. Freeheld. Yes, Freeheld. And uh, the story of the lesbian cop trying to get uh, give her partner benefits as she was dying of cancer. So uh, Cynthia, straight woman, two kids living in Park Slope. And I said to her at one point, you know, how did you end up living in a, a lesbian neighborhood of Park Slope? And what's that like? And she said, oh, well, it's fine. But uh, my kids come home from school and they say, why can't we have two mommies? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think was very All right. I saw the Neil Diamond musical, A Beautiful Noise, at the Broadhurst Theater. And while the book is indeed a bit thin, as has been noted, it is, it's actually an, a fairly enjoyable Neil Diamond concert. I've never been to one. Headlined by Will Swenson there on the left playing Neil in his prime and Mark Jacoby in the middle who plays Diamond in old age, reviewing his life with a therapist on stage. Uh, most of the Diamond hits are there. America, Sweet Caroline, You Don't, I, you don't Bring Me Flowers, directed by Michael Meyer. Well, and I finally saw the play that you liked uh, so much, Between Riverside and Crazy, at the Helen Hayes Theater, uh, by Stephen Adley Gur- Gurgis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning play from 2015 that is now on Broadway, and it's as New York as it gets, very unpredictable and sassy and darkly funny. Now, that's Stephen McKinley Henderson there on the left as a disabled ex-cop. Uh, and he, if he doesn't win the Tony, I think there's no justice. Common on the right is playing his son. And uh, uh, it's only running until February 19th. 
uh, though it's going to be available for live simulcasts now through February 12th. And I'll include, include a link on how you can see that. Uh, or you can go to the number 2st.com for info. Uh, Austin Pendleton, 82 years old, directed this. I ran into him on the stage. I said, good show. On the stage? Oh, on the stairs. <laughs> on the stairs. Just trying to make you clear to Thank the you. audience. Uh, I, I thought it was very, very, very funny and uh, and absorbing. I liked it a lot. And I particularly liked the, was it Common's girlfriend? Who said yes, uh, her name is, uh, Ro- yeah, Common's girlfriend is played by Rosal Cologne. I thought she was hilarious. I was really, funny. I fell for her. Um, all right. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, too, because, you know, when I get when I first liking something on Broadway is so unusual for me. And, and then I get nervous about whether I really should have liked it. Uh, all right. Uh, Sylvia Sims. We lost Sylvia Sims. British actress died at the age of 89. Not LGBTQ herself that we know of, but she took the role in 1961. There's a still from it in Victim. Of, uh, with she played Dirk Bogard's wife when he is dealing with being extorted for being gay. It was a very brave film at the time. You can catch it on Turner Classic Movies from time to time. And she was also, in late in life, Mrs. Rawson on Gentleman Jack. And you may recall her as the queen mother to Helen Mirren's queen in The Queen. She was terrific. Uh, and I'm glad that she lived a, a long life. Uh, can we talk for a minute about this uh, controversy with the Oscars with uh, Andrea Riseborough in okay. Leslie? Because uh, we have a little extra time. Um, I, I'm one of the 10 people who saw the movie. <laughs> I saw it on a plane. I saw it. I knew there was a controversy and I thought and I saw it on the the list of things to watch. And I thought, OK, I'll watch this. Uh, I, you know, I thought it was a fine performance, but it was it was one of those performances they so often reward that sort of a trick, you know, like Charlize Theron plays uh, ugly and messy and a murderer. So they give her an award for that. Uh, Andrea Riseborough playing an alcoholic, uh, messy mother who uh, who messes up everyone's life and then is finally redeemed, redeemed. Uh, is now nominated and and lauded as this brilliant, uh, unique performance. Well, I, I didn't think it was so necessarily unique. I'm not in favor of her winning the Oscar. I want oh. Michelle Yeoh to win oh. the Oscar. You want want who to win? Michelle Yeoh. Oh right. Oh, this is for best. This is for best actress. Yes. Now the Academy uh, investigated this because the whole point was. Had she gotten inappropriate support from other actors uh, in campaigning for this nomination? And the real uh, tragedy and scandal here is that this campaign to get her nominated uh, cut out a couple of black actresses who were expected to be nominated, Viola Davis uh, and uh, uh, Danielle Deadwaller Weiler from uh, Till. Uh, Not Emmett Till. She was played the mother of Emmett Till. 
Right. Uh, I have not seen either of those movies, but they have been getting a lot of support for months for those roles. And suddenly they're not nominated, either one of them, because Andrea Riceborough is. Uh, well, look, I mean, all these award shows and I don't want to you know, minimize, we talk about them a lot, but they're trade shows. They are. And, and you know, the company, I mean, you know, the, the, the major studios used to basically pick the winners and say, we're all going to vote for this one. And blah, 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 that. I mean, that's what it is. It's not. How does this amount to high artistic achievement? It's true, but it is now it has become symbolic now of so much, uh, particularly uh, racial progress in this country. In the last 10, 15 years, that has become. Uh, one of the most important ways to evaluate these. Well, we got two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, (laughs) and you did pretty well in the pool. I did. I stumbled into a situation where, depending on the outcome of the game, I will either be tied for first or tied for second. And the big here's the big moral question there. I could contact the these are different people I would be tied with in these games. Do I contact them now and say, Let's agree to just uh, add up the, you know, first and second place and split it evening, evenly or second and third and split it even, or do Hold we go the to the tiebreaker? Go. I'm for holding out for the win because I did that once about, you know, adding and splitting. And I felt bad afterwards because I would have won. <laughs> so I'm holding out. Well, Ann, take us to the ceremony that you went through this week. Well, that was a little uh, humbling. Let's put it that way. I could also say embarrassing, but that was it was very uh, sweet. The Reverend Billy of the church for stop of stop shopping. There he is on the uh, left there, who is a big activist in, in the city of New York on many issues, including our issues, um, basically canonized you this week, made you a saint. Well, this is something the Church of Stop Shopping does regularly. They uh, take an activist and uh, beatify them or canonize them or whatever the term is. You would know better than I. Uh, And uh, Billy is very, Billy and the Church of Stop Shopping are famous for their demonstrations over the years where they, uh, that's a choir that was sitting on the floor around me uh, who sing beautifully and they, Billy and the choir, will go into some uh, as retail establishment, some department store or other establishment, and they will start singing about the evils of consumerism. <laughs> they, they make quite a spectacle of themselves. They have great values. And, uh, and this is their main thing, is about the destruction of the earth. Uh, that's why there's that big picture of the earth uh, behind us. And they're very dedicated to that. And, and his sermon uh, this week was about that. And the choir sings about that. So they asked me to be the designated uh, saint for the week. Uh, and I, with a little hesitation, agreed and uh, was very uh, moved by the ceremony and by the people who showed up for this because uh, they do a lot of outreach to bring people in. Uh, here, Here's... Here's what flattered me. Uh, Taylor Mack showed up for this uh, ceremony. Oh. Yes. And uh, Mo Angelus of the uh, Five Lesbian Brothers and uh, Linda oh. Chapman and uh, Lola Peschelinski and uh, Melanie Joseph and uh, the uh, inestimable uh, Jackie Rudin. That picture was 
taken by Donna Cito, who is uh, uh, just a fantastic primary photographer of the movement well, here in New York. When I, when I was uh, in college, the, the, the college parish, Catholic parish, on All Saints Day, the, the pastor would just have the, the names of good people read out, uh, basically, including Martin Luther King and, and people like that. And he got in trouble with the bishop over this because they weren't officially canonized. But that's what they did. That's what they did. Well, no one was getting in trouble on Sunday, but... Uh, Billy did point out that they have a blackboard on the back of the room that lists all the trans women uh, and men who have been killed in the last year. Martyred. Yes, definitely martyred. And uh, I had a chance to say a few words and I talked about how important it is that uh, we dedicate ourselves to this work, but not without the uh, knowledge that there are limits to what we can accomplish, but that we need to stay in it and keep fighting because we do make progress. Um, but there is a lot out there to uh, really discourage us along the way. Oh, but that's, that's what everybody listening to us right now, and um, that's why you tune in, I, you know, I imagine, is because you want to know what you can do. And again, go to the ACLU.org and read the, what's going on in your states on all this kind of legislation. And uh, it could be happening in a red state or a blue state. And let's fight. Let's fight those things. And let's fight for the things that we need to pass that will make things better for us. We we are aware that we helped uh, motivate and inspire and uh, and activate a lot of people uh, during the fight for marriage equality. Uh, people got involved in their local states because we were passing marriage uh, legislation state by state. Well, now it's the turn for this uh, stuff, the anti-trans stuff, the anti-LGBTQ stuff, curricular stuff, schools, governments. There is an enormous amount of work to be done on the local level, and you can get involved very easily and very effectively. Right. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. All right. Um, it's been uh, we, we're down to our last 24 seconds. Um, it's been very good to be with you. If you want to be on our email list to get links to the things that we're talking about here, uh, don't go to my email. Go to get, just go to gayusatv.org, our website, and uh, you can sign up for our weekly emails. And I've got a lot of bonuses this week. But all in one email that you get each week. We don't inundate you and we will see you next week.